Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Happy belated 4th of July, Independence Day, for the hopefully majority who actually celebrate what it's about. Uh, little thoughts and prayers for the folks in Highland Park, Illinois. Another sick, tragic event. I do not know what's going on. Well, I do know what's going on. If you listen to the podcast, you've heard my peace of mind of what's going on in America. Guns, not the problem. People are the problem. And we need to solve this people problem fast. Getting back to sports. Baseball is about all we got that's live right now other than golf. But the tectonic plates of college football shifted in a major way again last week. And you know we'll be covering that this week. Oh, and 53 days till week zero, baby. No sense wasting any more time. Ryan, let's go to the podium. The lectern is yours. Yep, getting closer and closer. We're kind of in that lull right now with sports. I mean, we got baseball, which is long, dragged out season. You know, last major of the season and the, the open next week. And then a whole lot of that. A whole lot of nothing for about a month and a half. NFL preseason. Might even have to watch that. Um, yeah, podium. Um, we don't talk about the we don't talk about the NBA much, so I'll talk about it. NBA contracts, NBA free agency trades, you name it. Um, you know, heating up since the you know draft was almost a couple weeks ago now. Um, some of this thing, like these guys are getting paid absurd money. Like Jalen Brunson, I think I mean he's a really good player, but he's had like one good year with the Mavericks and the the Knicks tampered to get him. They're being investigated. They were doing stuff, and he's getting paid all this money, and he's done one. One good year ever in the NBA. I don't get why these guys get paid so much. It's in every sport. I mean, you guys get blown up because they play have one good year. They, if you can prove it, sure. But one good year, and a lot of these guys don't pan out. They just make all this money, throw all this money away. Um, you know, it happens in every sport, which is wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, free agency across all sports. I mean, you look at the Kevin Durant thing. Oh, I, I want to be traded. Oh, I don't want to be traded. And like Golden State wants him back. Um, the the Suns want him, like, but the the Nets want a few first round picks and a star for him, which is pretty ridiculous. As he's getting older, he's probably early thirties by now. But um, crazy stuff. And Kyrie, the Lakers trying to get him, LeBron trying to get him. Then he's like, no, I'm gonna sign. No, I want to be traded. All this stuff. It's ridiculous. The NBA is a joke. I, we've said it for as long as we've had this podcast. We're not fans, and this is another reason why it's just stupid. It's all for for money and and you know and just for for clicks on these articles and you know, it's it's getting absurd and I'm tired of seeing it all over my Twitter feed all over my um, sports reading stuff on that I read on a daily basis so I can do without it it's need to stop NBA 
just take a back seat, guys. No one cares. Summer League, no one cares about that. And you're making a big deal. It's on ESPN. Who cares? On the Ocho? That's where it should be. All right, so my podium this week um, kind of goes along with the only social media that I have anymore is TikTok. And, yes, it can get addicting. Um, and the college football guys are starting to come out. The guys who are giving you everybody's, you know, top 25 wins and losses. And there's podcasts galore on college football. None nearly as good as ours. And I'm going to tell you why. None of these people have a clue what the hell they're talking about. And if you don't think that I know that they don't know, just go listen to some of these. I'm not going to call anybody out in particular, but the majority of these who are guys like Ryan and I, they simply don't do any homework. They base everything off of hearsay. They base it off of opinion. They base it off of allegiance. And I'm not going to say that we don't maybe pick on the school down the street in, in Ann Arbor once in a while, but we're also going to be realistic when it comes to how we think teams in the Big Ten are going to finish when we get to our previews here in a couple weeks. We're going to tell you, we're going to break it down, we're going to look at everybody's schedules, we're going to look at all the schedules in continuum, and we're going to actually get records that are right. Not everybody can go 9-2, and two, guys. Not everybody can go 9-3, and 10-2, and 8-4. you got to balance it out. Not everybody can beat all the same teams and never lose to anybody. Do your damn homework. Spend your time. There's still a bajillion printed magazines, I'm sure. Athlon used to do one. I think they still Lindy's, Blue Ribbon. I used to live for those things. They'd come out about this time of the year. They were full of information that was old because it was put in print, you know, probably put together in like April, May, right after spring ball, and then put together and obviously transfer portal and things like that happened. But, I mean, if you piece together that and there's this thing called Google, or if you prefer Bing, you can actually like go and you can do some research and you can look at roster moves and you can see who's hurt. There's a million ways to actually do your homework, like this podcast will when it comes to previews, like this podcast is when it comes down to Michigan State position previews. Do your damn homework or don't push out a podcast because you're wasting everybody's space. I'm tired, like Ryan mentioned, clickbait. I'm tired of your clickbait. I'm tired of your opinions. Base your opinion in fact and then come talk to us. You want to be on our show and you want to banter it back and forth? Have at it, but do your damn homework first. That's my podium. That's my warning to diehard college football, especially fans, as we get into the season. Don't just listen to that guy that is the podcast for your favorite school or whatever. Actually listen to people, whether they're writers or they're people like us who actually take the time and care to do their homework then you're going to get something a little bit more realistic. Are we going to be exactly right? Nope. I'd probably, nine times out of ten, I might rely on Vegas, although Vegas was a good example last year that you can't always trust them because Michigan State's over-under last year was what? Plus three and a half. Yep. Plus four. That didn't happen. So sometimes you catch you know, heat and you do really well. Sometimes you have a really bad season because injuries happen. But you want good previews, especially when it comes to the Big Ten. And when it comes to people doing their homework, you can trust the TFS pod. There's probably not a whole lot of other ones that you can. Just saying. All right, our tee up this week. Ah, oh boy. This one's hard to it's do because, because you know, he had this good guy persona as a Spartan. Once a Spartan, always a Spartan. Although we've, you know, tragically had the death of AP this year when he's trying to do the opposite of what Miles Bridges did and trying to stop a domestic assault. 
You have Keith Appling, who clearly went off the deep end. You know, first it was guns and strip clubs, and then he actually murdered somebody. Um, now we have Miles Bridges, who, by the way, was in line. What, to, he, was, he, was, he was 12 hours away? He was 12 hours away from making bank. Max contract was looking like the Pacers, maybe even the Pistons. He's been a great example of a slow trajectory in the NBA. If you do pay attention, I do pay attention to Michigan State guys. That's about it. He kind of, you know, the first year was all about, man, he's a monster dunker and he dunks with authority and he was in a dunk contest and didn't pan out on that and whatever. And he, he was what he was, a couple of crazy highlights. Then you start to pair him with a point guard and then his dunks are still legendary, but then the rest of his game becomes legendary. I think he was close to 20 a game last yeah, year. Yeah, he played maybe. really well, shot He had really a well. really great year last year. You know he can defend, he can rebound, he can pass the ball, he can score the ball. But then the dumbass goes, and apparently, according to Ryan, I thought maybe this was a one-time thing, he goes and assaults his baby mama, girlfriend, whatever, doesn't really matter who it was, to the point where she had to go to the hospital. And then we find out a couple of days later this has been going on and his bros have been covering for him. Uh, First of all, find yourself some damn friends who will put you in your place and not allow you to no, be he's a, a rapper, like so that. he can do that. Yeah, I know. just, I'm so, I'm crap. even more disappointed because he's a Spartan and I thought he was a good guy. This is, a, you know, a supposed role model, and you're just like most of the other high-profile athletes who think you're above the law. You can dink around with the cops. You can beat up on women. You can do your drugs. You can. I mean, I just, I don't get it. It's sickening. It's disappointing. I'm sorry, Miles. A good thing we don't have anything of you in our Spartan no, basement. Yeah, we, we, do, we do have a Keith Lapling <laughs> picture somewhere, but um, I'm glad we don't have a senior day because you never made it to senior day. Kissing the S because we would have had to take that down and put it in the in the fire pit. I mean, you, uh, you just blew your life up. Kind of like the wide receiver, what was his name for the Raiders last yeah, year? Yeah, Henry Williams. 100 and some and killed a woman yeah. drunk driving. I mean... When are you athletes and entertainers and just people in society going to learn? When are you going to learn? Oh, I'll tell you when. When you've got buddies that will tell you, Miles, knock it off. It's not cool to beat up on women. It's not cool to drink and drive. It's not cool to this or that. I hope you go to jail. I hope you get treated just like most people who domestically assault women or children Get treated in prison, well, he, and I he hope you learn a lesson. His kids saw this happen. I know that oh, for a fact. That's just that's horrible. Miles, you are no longer a Spartan. Your number twenty-two needs to be worn a million times by people who are going to, you know, give off a much better persona. It's sick what you did. I'm disappointed. You are getting like not only teed up, you're thrown out of life. In my opinion, I mean, I'm a big fan of you make mistakes and you forgive. But if this has been going on. Your forgiveness is you get to go rot in prison for as long as they'll keep you there. And I hope it's a pretty damn long time. I agree. It's disgusting. All right. Let's get into our four downs for the week. Um, Just a little preview. We usually do brackets, or not brackets, we usually do Rushmore in spot three. But we're sliding in uh, a little something important this week that happened over the last week in news instead because we got a lot to talk about there. But... As Ryan started last week, and I'll sit in mostly from the peanut gallery, we're going to get to our MSU football position previews and reviews. 
um, as we head here into the dog days of summer. This week it is wide receivers and tight ends, Throwing right, Ryan? Throwing too. some specialists as well. Yeah. So, Ryan, have at it, and I'll chime in where, where I know enough to chime in. Uh, yeah, receiving core, uh, we'll start with that. Maybe the most um, intriguing por- uh, position group on Michigan State's offense. Um, actually, it's not... It is the most intriguing. Um, you know, return a lot of good guys. You know, lose Jalen Naylor, who had a really good season, was dinged up toward the end. But, you know, a guy that scored a, a vertical threat, um, you know, a guy that could, could get loose. Um, and did he a, sign? Did he get picked? Yeah, he got picked by Minnesota. Oh, that's right. That's right. For Cousins. Yeah, yep, that's right. So, um, you know, losing that guy, that's, you know, obviously that's, that's no small thing, but... You bring back a guy in Jaden Reed, who's the you know the unquestioned number one receiver. It's Peyton Thorne's safety blanket, a guy that he's played with since middle school. If you didn't know that, um, <laughs> we won't have Colton Pouncey to tell us that. Returning, bummer. He he's the leading touchdown, most touchdowns of any returning receiver in the Big Ten with ten um, last season. Um, this guy's got a chance to have a really special year, could finish in the top five in a lot of stats for Michigan State receivers, um, and doing in basically. Th- 2.75 years, um, which is even crazier. Yeah, he's done in what, two, um, in like a season and three quarters? Yeah, he's already doing He's great. number, th- I can tell you right here, he's number, oh, it just disappeared on me. He's number he's 30 there. right now in at Michigan State in terms of receiving yards, 1433. And the best ever is 3,086. So it's not out of the realm of possible. I mean, it, w- it would be a monster year for sure but as the primo guy um yeah could happen i mean in touchdown wise like ryan said i mean he's got 92 receptions he's got 13 touchdowns actually his touchdowns he's got a really good shot at getting up there i think 27 charles rogers still owns he, i bet he'll get to career, 20 so. plus at least so yeah. i mean that's pretty good but yeah he's uh he's got all first team big 10 written all over him potential all american um you know his speed he can go up and catch it um, elusive in the open field. Um, he's a special player, and hope if he stays healthy, I think he's going to be he's going to be electric for Michigan State. I definitely have him chalked as a receiver one, uh, receiver two. Um, the most reliable target on Michigan State, Trey Mosley, um, great player, good size. You know, he catches basically anything. Yeah, in his, go back his and radius. look at. Do yourself a favor, Ryan. Just showed great me some. Player. I I think it was a YouTube highlight of all the Michigan State scoring plays of last year and. If you can find other stuff for Trey Mosley, go for that too. But just look at his scoring plays. And I think he had a big game. One big game that stood out to me, I think, was the Miami game in particular. Yeah, just Guy's got – he's got hands. He's a great route runner. He's not going to stand out as he's like six, burner, five, you know, burner, He's, he's not some right. freak, but he's he's a possession receiver. He's going to catch the ball for you. He's, he's, the, he's the real deal, and he's got two more years at Michigan State, which makes it even better. Um, you know, with with the way he plays, and he, he's always getting better, and he's uh, a good leader out there, good player. Um, receiver three, that's kind of up for for grabs, in my opinion. Um, you know, is it going to be Montori Foster, who kind of came on at the end of the year last year when when uh, Jay Naylor was hurt? Um, is it going to be Keon Neon Keon Coleman, um, big boy? I, I don't know. Is it one of those two? I think I think they'll both you know come in the season kind of fighting for that third receiving spot and I think they both can do it. I mean Coleman he's got this he's six four, he's got freakish athletic ability, he can jump. He's definitely a red zone threat. He's he's getting better, you know, more technical as a route runner. Um, you know, he's very raw last year and still got a lot of playing time. 
Um, you know, burned through his red shirt pretty easily, played special teams, all that stuff, caught a touchdown, had a few receptions. I think you're going to see him a lot um, in the passing. Same with Foster, going to involve speed guy, um, very elusive in the open field. Kind of, he's in a, a lighter version of Jalen Naylor, I would say. Um, so those two would definitely be good. Then, you know, kind of the guys taking a back seat, not necessarily a back seat, I'd say, but, you know, backup role. Uh, we'll definitely get some good snaps. Uh, Christian Fitzpatrick, he was a redshirt freshman last year, transferred from Louisville. Um, he's 6'4". He's a pretty big guy. Pretty His brother plays for the Titans um, as a receiver, so he's got that lineage um, and bloodline. Um, but I think he could be you know, a nice receiver. He's got decent speed. Obviously, the size is there, and he's got some experience, so that's good. Um, Terry Lockett Jr., he's played a little bit um, here and there. He's not necessarily the fastest guy, but a possession receiver, so that's good stuff. Um, then you start getting to the freshman. Um, Jeremy Bernard, early enrollee, had the privilege of seeing him at the, the Michigan State spring scrimmage slash practice. This guy looks he looks like Jalen or Jaden Reed 2.0. He's maybe a little taller than him, fast, crisp route runner, um, very elusive, and you know, highly rated recruit. Um, Here's a flip on him. Yeah, come, he was Washington, Washington. commit. Um, and flipped to Michigan State right after um, first signing period there. Um, he's got a chance to be a special player. Definitely, he'll, you'll see him get a lot of snaps, I think. Um, could be a really good player. Um, I forgot to mention Cade McDonald has kind of been a walk-on guy. He's played a little bit, um, had a few catches a couple years ago. Um, expect to see him because we don't have a ton of receivers. Um, and then also, these guys I think will redshirt um, these three, but I think they all have great potential. Antonio Gates Jr., obviously his father, um, great NFL player, Hall of Famer, um, former Spartan for a short time. Um, uh, also, he's, he can play corner as well, so that's good um, for the future. Then Jaron Glover from Florida, he's about 6'3", really fast um, receiver. He'll probably redshirt, but you know maybe he'll get on the field. I, I, I would assume you'd see these guys you know in mop-up duty in a few of the first few games just to get that experience in there and, and get in there, um, get some experience and, and, and game reps. Um, and Tyrell Henry, he's a fast kid. He's out of Roseville, Michigan, I believe. Um, fast little guy. Can also play corner. So, um, you know, exciting, exciting, exciting um, is, is the only thing I can think of, really, when it comes to this wide receiver room. So looking forward to seeing them dominate um, this fall. Hopefully they'll block well, too. And then we got tight end. Um, yeah, position last year we were, oh, you know, could Hayward make that? Um, you know, that jump, and he did. He's gone, obviously, got picked by the Steelers, um, you know, late in the draft. But you bring back a guy in the elite car um, who's just oozing with potential. Um, 6'5", 240, can move. He can, he's got to get better as a blocker. There's no doubt about that. But hopefully he's improved that um, this offseason. I think he's got Kyle Pitts potential, um, you know, as a tight end. He's a big body, great athlete. Um, expect to see him involved heavily from the beginning I feel of the like, season. too, Michigan State's been due to have a great vertical threat, reliable hand tight end since Josiah. He wasn't right. even really just vertical. Price. He was just a great red zone I mean, possession receiver. But, yeah, he, I think he holds the record for Michigan State touchdowns as a tight end. Chris Baker was a really great one in the, you know, early yep. 2000s. It's like, but we've always had these guys it seems like lately gillison was supposed to be a guy you know yeah, we've had some good out. ones for sure um lyles lincecum <laughs> going yeah, back Lincecum, to the mid 20s davis you know kellen davis we had some guys but not nobody's been like taking that step up and so i hope Carr i think can do he's it going be- to. because he's he's had the hype like those other guys and he's just 
hasn't he was gotten there. last year. So um, I mean, lot, Michigan but. State's probably most reliable tight end is a former kicker. Yeah, Hunt, Tyler Hunt. Right? Yeah, and he was hurt at the end of last year. He's coming back though for his his sixth year. He'll I think he's going to be a second string guy. But he, he can block. He mix it up a little bit. Good special teams. So player. does Joiner maybe play? We talked about that a little well, bit this well, week. Does we Joiner maybe about, shift over? We forget about uh, this. Is, I think is going to be a co-starter. Daniel Barker coming over from oh, Illinois. Illinois yeah. All-time leader in recept- receiving touchdowns at Illinois. Um, he's six five. Um, you know he's he's got a good body. Um, he obviously has that experience. He's played in the Big Ten. Um, I think he scored the game-winning touchdown he, against he Michigan did. State in sure Illinois' did. epic comeback. He back sure in did. So he's, he's, he's good. He's, uh, he's definitely going to play a lot. So I, I'd say those three will get the majority of the snaps at Titan. And then you throw in a guy, Jack Nickel. He enrolled early. Um, uh, freshman from Georgia, I believe. Pretty good. Like I think they say he's like one of the best blocking tight ends that they've honestly ever seen, in just recruiting-wise, in the last five or six years. Um, so he's got you know potential to maybe get in the field early doing that. Um, and then you know you have backups. Powers Warren, you know, the Kevin Warren's son, Big Ten commissioner. Um, he's a walk-on, but maybe he'll get in there here and there. Special teams. Um, Berghorst from from Zealand. Hopefully he'll get in there. Special teams guy. And then Michael Mansuas. He's a, uh, he'll be a freshman, kind of late late bloomer um, from Phoenix area. Um, you know, he'll probably definitely redshirt this year. But, you know, there's there's options there. I, I really like the Barker-Carr-Hunt combination. I think that those three could be really good for Michigan State. Um, and you throw in a joiner there, maybe playing H-back and, and getting him involved um, as well. Hopefully that'll be good. And then we'll do special teams real quick, get those done. Kick return, definitely put Jaden Reed back there. I mean, I, I don't necessarily like it because – I don't want him to get hurt, but whatever. Um, then maybe Montori Foster, and then Jordan Sims. I kind of has a maybe guy. I've always just said, get a guy that's young, doesn't really kind of bury down the depth chart, receiver, corner, running back. A chance back, to shine. Just say, you know what? We're going to teach you to be a return specialist. You're going to catch the ball and just run. I don't know why you don't. There was do a, that. there was an era in the NFL where they would guys would get picked Devin for Hester. just being that. Right, like Mel Farr, superstar from the Lions. I mean, the, there was a day for that, so why not? Like, I know it's it's you a little harder to return kicks anymore, but still, um, I agree with Ryan. I hate to have your number one guy. Now we saw what Reed did last year. He was the first one since like '71 that had yeah he, two well, he punt he's returns the or touchdown punt returner. Um, punt that return worries me a little bit less. Usually, yeah, punt's fine, you know, but kick, kick return, return is, worries me a bit. Worries a little Injury bit more. Wise. So, long we'll snapper see. Hank Pepper. He was last year. Hopefully, he'll have all the snaps on target. Punter Bryce Beringer, number one specialist for next year's draft, according to ESPN. Pretty cool. Crazy. We didn't think we had a punter last year. Yeah, he ended up really, being second really to a guy that good. got drafted. Really, really good. So, hopefully, he'll uh, continue that. And Evan Morris, I think, will be his backup. He's kind of bounce between kicking, punting, all that stuff. And then kicker, um, big question mark. Coglin after 35 years as a starter, um, leaves. Russ Snacks coming back. That lefty kind of sucked. He had like a club on his arm. He missed two extra points, I think, in a yeah, few down field goals. Last year. Jack Stone. Um, Will he wear number four is the question. Because oh, Stone several kickers better wear number four. four. He better. Yeah. I, That's I been the kicker will. number at Michigan State yep. for a while. Geiger. Conroy. Conroy. Cotton, sorry, Coglin, Conroy, yep. Swenson was 14. Right. It was Rainer. He was 16, I think. Rainer was 16, yeah. yeah but hope Jack Stone, he's one of the top-rated kickers in this in the 2022 class, so hopefully he can be 
serviceable and you know hit some long kicks and you know that's that will decide some games especially in Big Ten football um, Smash Mouth um, so yeah those are the specialists next we could probably dive into the the trenches uh, offensive line defensive line uh, so yep yeah, be on the lookout for that then uh, after that probably do linebackers and corner then we'll start getting into some uh, Big Ten football preview. Roster previews, schedule previews, all that fun stuff. Yeah, it's right around the corner. Hard to believe. Like I said, can't wait. You know, fifty-three days to week zero. So, uh, and there's a couple uh, Big wait. Ten teams playing week zero. So we'll yep. uh, we'll we'll be getting on those previews here pretty soon. So, all right, weekly bracket uh, in second down. We had a little fun last week with the uh, TV dads bracket. This week, in honor of today's position breakdown, we're gonna go with. Um, a bracket of the best wide receivers in MSU Oh, history. I like it. I like it. Um, there's a lot of guys that I'm sure that I left out, but these are these, th- and this only goes back as far as I remember seeing guys play. Okay. Um, so Ryan, some of these would have to be highlight guys for you, but I did try to break it down by the era a little bit. So uh, the first bracket we've got our 70s and 80s guys. We've got number one Kirk Gibson who still holds the single season record yards per catch here I'll tell you um, 21 yards per catch just ahead of Charles Rogers Um, no that's actually his career I think I think his senior year though he was like 23 yards per catch some something crazy so you have Kirk Gibson the number one seed facing off against Mark Ingram yes the father of Running back Mark Ingram, I believe he did for like fraud or financial fraud or something like that. Ingram was a great receiver for some pretty average Michigan State teams as as it shifted to the Perlis era in the mid '80s. Um, And quite frankly, we didn't throw the ball that much, especially when Lorenzo White was around. But he, Mark Ingram, was another guy that was a stud. I mean, he's right up there. He's 13th all time. Again, these are based on receiving yards at 19. Uh, 44 yards, so 20 and a half nice. yards per catch, 14 touchdowns. So, I mean, he's he's ranked the number 13 wide receiver in terms of that, and, and only on 95 catches. Wow. So everybody else in the top 24, just to put it into perspective, every other receiver in the top 24 in Michigan State history has at least 100 catches, and, and at a quick glance, the closest to him is 106 Gene Washington, and then the next closest is Gibby at 112, and then everybody else is... Pretty much, well, then you got another 70s guy, Eugene Bird, that's 114, but everybody else is north of 120. So he did all that on 95 catches. That tells you how good he was. So so you got Gibby against Mark Ingram. Yeah, I'm going Gibby. Yeah, you got to go Gibby. I mean, the flowing locks, the uh, he just was a stud. Like, if he would have gone to the NFL, he would have been a, an amazing wide receiver. So fast, great hands, could take the lid off. Um he was he was just fantastic. So think about how good he was as a Hall of Famer for baseball. Um, that's how good he was at, at, at football too. Um, so Gibby will face the winner of number two seed and another great mid '80s guy, Andre Risen, against current coach um, and another mid '80s, late '80s guy, Hawkins. Courtney Hawkins. So just to give you a little bit of a flavor. Andre Risen, number two all-time at Michigan State with 2,992 yards receiving on 146 catches, 20 and a half yards per, 20 touchdowns, um, played in games when we would throw the ball eight times because Lorenzo White would run at 50. 
And then you got Courtney Hawkins, who's number sneaking up good number six all time. 138 catches. He kind of hovered over into 1991, but 22-10 in terms of his total yards, 16 yards per catch, 12 touchdowns, another really good receiver on some good that then fell apart into the early 90s Michigan State team. So I'll go between uh, those guys. Ryzen. Yeah, I gotta go Ryzen too. I mean, tough because they're they're both fantastic, obviously. And then we got Gibby against Ryzen. Uh, we'll go Gib. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Andre Ryzen because I'm gonna look at two and give him the tiebreaker just because of what he also did in the NFL. He was a great receiver um, in the NFL as well. So I'm gonna go Andre Ryzen, the number two seed um, in the '70s and '80s bracket. All right. Going up against the 90s, we have number one seed Plaxico Burris, who was just a two-year guy, um, against number four seed Musin Muhammad. Ma Plax. So if you want to look at it, Plax, actually not in the top. I mean, he was a huge playmaker, but I'm looking. I don't see him in the top. Hmm, several, actually. I might be missing him, but... Um, and then Musin Muhammad actually was, oh, Plaxico's number eight, of course. 2000, he only played two seasons, and he had 2155 well, in terms of yards. Two years, he, had... he was a Juco. Okay. Um, 80, 98 and 99. I mean, so think about that. He had 131 receptions, Plaxico. That's ridiculous. And then he was playing, what did I say? Musin Muhammad was, looking at Michigan State's all-time list here. Only number 42, but a solid guy in my years, 92 to 95, had a solid NFL career, too. He had 69 catches, um, but that's also because he played played with a couple of other guys that are going to be on this list. So you got Plaxico and uh, Moussin, Ryan. I'm going Plaxico. All right, and then we've got, I'm flipping back and forth here between my screens. we got number two seed Derek Mason against number three seed Gary Scott. Oh. Derek Mason was... Arguably the number one receiver uh, when Musin Muhammad was there. He's fifteenth all time. He was he had a, he was a little bit younger than Mason or than uh, Muhammad, but thousand nineteen fourteen yards, hundred and twenty catches. Surprisingly, only eight touchdowns, but he was a hell of a kick returner too. And then you had Gary Scott, who um, you can see a famous. Gary Scott highlight uh, that was against Notre Dame when he took it to the house at 80 yep. yards in a, in a victory. He's actually number 10 sneaky good all time. Played 96 to 99, 134 catches over 2,000 yards, 18 touchdowns. So he was a big scoring guy too. So Derek Mason or Gary Scott? Uh, I'll go. I'll go Mason. Yeah, I'm gonna go Derek Mason too. Um, memorable catch against that went through Charles Woodson's hands in the '95 Snowball victory over Michigan. Um, he was part of the the Music City Miracle, the the throwback oh, yeah. that got them into the Super Bowl that year, and they beat the Bills on a miracle kick return. Um, I got to go Derek Mason too, and then I've got to go Plaxico Plax. for sure. Plax. Yep. Plaxico is just a stud. Imagine if he played for four years, which gets me to talking about imagine if if a guy played for four years. Two thousands, you got number one seed Charles Chuck. Rogers against number four seed Blair White. Now, I'll say this. Blair White, sneaky good, number twenty-two all time, and he was a walk-on. Yeah, um, really stats really for three year. seasons: one hundred and sixteen catches, sixteen seventy-four yards, fourteen four average, ten touchdowns. Pretty good big playmaker. 
Charles Rogers played two seasons, had 135 catches, 2,800 yards. I think he he, he might still own the record. He scored at least one touchdown, receiving touchdown in something like 14 consecutive games in his career. 20.9 yards per catch, 27 touchdowns. That's that's the current record for touchdowns. Um, Another phenomenal punt returner. I don't remember him doing too much kick returning, but Chuck, R.I.P., he was, I mean, he was lightning in a bottle. It's too, you got into kind of the wrong stuff, hung out with Smoker too much. Michigan State fans know what I'm talking about. And then he was kind of brittle, got hurt early. He was actually looking promising for the Lions, got hurt, and then he got hurt again in his second year, and he never panned yeah, out. Bad. It was just too bad and, and kind of washed out in life. But Chuck was in unbelievable. I assume you got Chuck? Yeah, oh, yeah. All right. I love Blair White. No, no, Blair White, no, no, no. yeah. Blair White is was a stud for sure. And then you've got uh, facing number two seed Devin Thomas against number Ooh, three sneaky. seed Matt Trannon. Devin oh, Thomas, man. another guy who I believe was a JUCO guy, right? Yeah, I think, I think yeah, he was two years. I think, I'm gonna look that up. He was his, he he had the record single season record for a while until. Burbridge broke it, I think. Yeah, he played 2006 to 2007. 85 catches, 1350 receiving yards. Yeah, 79 in one season. Yeah. I mean, and I remember that. That was when and he was the kick McCoy, returner, right? He was a good kick He was returner. really good. So, yeah, Devin Thomas, uh, and then, um, who did I say? Oh, Matt Trannon. Matt Trannon as the three seed. Sneaky good. Like, number 17 all-time. I think he one game I remember he caught like thirteen or fourteen that passes. Was like Eastern, I think, was a great basketball player too. Um, honestly, a sneaky good basketball player. Cornwall. He had a really really solid career at six six. He was a big receiver. He was a good he was a good one. Looks kind of like Tupac. I think, yeah, too. he had he had a little cornrows. I I loved training number six. He was two at first, then he was six. Yep. Or was he six? Then I can't remember. But I'll I'll go with Devin Thomas. He was I remember. He returned the opening kickoff to like the five against Boston College when we were at the the bowl game. Oh yeah, the Champ, the Champ Sports, Sports bowl. bowl. That's right. Yep. All right, so you got Chuck or Devin? Chuck. Yeah, Chuck is Chuck is in his own stratosphere. All right, now we're going to the twenty tens, and I, there was one guy that I left out of here that I'm thinking about. I could have easily put in there. I'll let's see if you can tell me who it is when we after we do this here, right? So we got number one seed B.J. Cunningham who's the number one all-time receiver for Michigan State in terms of um, catches 218. I think he's by far got the most, yeah. Nobody else is over 200. He's got 218, 3,000 over 3,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, so he's second only to to Chuck. I mean, he hauled in a lot. He was kind of 08 to 11, so he kind of straddled the the eras there. But, I mean, he was a go-to yeah. guy for Fracas, for Kirk Cousins. So, yeah. so you got... BJ against Cody White. Remember Cody White, who washed out left early, but actually Cody White, shocker, number twelve all time. I mean, one hundred and forty-three catches, just a hair under, yeah, just a hair under two thousand yards, twelve touchdowns. Kind of more of a grinder, thirteen point eight yards per catch. So he's a little bit lighter in the the yards per catch, but a, a good player for sure. Yeah, he was. He's underrated. I kind of forgot about him. Um, no, BJ was, he was really yeah, good. Yeah, BJ for sure. He was really good. All right, and then you got number two seed Aaron Burbridge against number three seed Jaden Reed. 
And oh. tell me a guy that I left off from this era that um, could have easily been there. Shit. Um, man. There's so many guys I could name. I mean, damn, who, am I, who am I missing? Uh, I'll give you a couple guys that I didn't necessarily think that hard about, but Keyshawn Martin. Keyshawn Martin. He straddled Daryl Stewart. Yeah. He had a good, he was Felton more of a Davis. possession guy. Felton Davis. Um, Mark uh, Dell. <laughs> Mark Dell, number nine all time. I mean, he was, he was, he was 20, he was early in the 2000s. Yeah. Last year. Um, Keith Nickel. Keith Nickel, he's pretty far down the list. Um, let's see. No, the guy that I'm thinking about is the number five all time receiver wait, in terms wait, wait, of yards. Wait, let me think of this. Uh, oh, Lippet. Yeah. Tony yeah, Lippett. Lippett's one of my favorites. I, I could have easily gone with him, but I'm like, at this point... I love Tony I, Lippett. I already put in Cody White, and then I'm like, well, I've got Burbridge and Reed. So, just to put it in perspective, Burbridge, who was a stud, I can't believe oh he didn't God. make it in the NFL. He got but get banged up. 165 catches, two, 2174 yards, 13.2 um, per catch, 10 touchdowns, so a little bit lighter on the touchdowns. Made some, some big plays. Um, against Reed, who we said already in the receiver um, preview, he's number 30 right now, but climbing. 92 catches, that's going to go probably, if he stays healthy, you got to figure he's going to end up with at least 150. you got to figure yards-wise, he's going to end up with a good, you know, 1,000 yards this year. I mean, he's going to end up in the top 24. If he got 1,000 yards this year, he'd end up number four all-time, Reed. Pretty crazy. Um, he's already got 13 touchdowns, 15.6 um, average as well, so that's a tough one. Burbridge or, or Reed. Uh, I'm going Burbridge. He was consistent for four years. That's why I'll do it. But uh, Jr's pretty damn good. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Jr. Um, just because here's a guy that came in from Western. We're like, yeah, yeah, he was at Western. He was at a Mac school. Yeah, yeah, he played high school, middle school, basketball, everything else with with his quarterback. Yeah, yeah. The dude just produces. I mean, you saw it in what he had two touchdowns in the Peach Bowl. Yeah. Uh, he's a big play guy. That huge catch on fourth down against Michigan um, at an epic part of the huge third quarter against Penn State. Um, yeah, in the snow. I mean, him. just uh, just unbelievable. So I, I took Reed, and so we got BJ and Burbridge for you. I'll go. I'm gonna go BJ. Uh, yeah, he's so good. Yeah, and I'm gonna go BJ too because he's the number one all time. But Reed. If this if this is this time next year, it could, could be, be Reed. It could yeah. be Reed instead. All right. So then you got um, <clears throat> going to the final four. You've got Gibby against Plax. Plaxico. I'll go Plaxico. And I've got Andre Risen against Plaxico. Man, I think if you go, I'm going to do a little bit of extrapolation. I mean, Plaxico was he was six. Four six five. He was fast. He was a bruiser. Like he destroyed Michigan. I remember in that ninety nine game. Um, but man, if you put Ryzen in the era where we didn't throw the ball just ten to twelve times a game, imagine what he would have done. Like that's how good he was. Is he put up career like, top five numbers? Captain agrees. Um, you know, in 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 an era where again it was Lorenzo student body left, student body right, student body up the middle, punt or go for it on fourth and inches, and Ryzen somehow was one of the best ever. So I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Ryzen over Plax for me, and then uh, we both have Charles Rogers against B.J. Cunningham. Chuck, 
Yeah, Chuck, I would agree with that. Um, just legendary. Some of the stories of old coach Steve Marley telling us about how good he was at hoops and how he could just dunk on guys and how electric he was. That just gives well, you, you know. That. There's some I can't remember who wrote the story. He, for when he was doing track, he like he was like it was like. 40 degrees outside, he was about to run the 100, and they, like, they called his name, the last call, and he walked out of some crappy old car that he was in, grabbed his, like, stretched to his toes once, and just beat everybody by three. That was yards. like an LSJ or something like just that, I remember. Crazy. Yeah, just, I mean, crazy speed. So then it's, for you, plaques against Chuck. Uh, I'll go Chuck. And then for me, it's Ryzen against Chuck, and I gotta go Chuck. R.I.P. Chuck, but uh, so that Jersey. dude was, he was in another stratosphere. And again, imagine, had he played four years? I think he was a Prop 48 guy back when Prop 48 was a thing. So he had the city year, then he played two years, then he went to the NFL. Um, man, that guy was a stud. Miss watching him play. All right, that's the bracket contest for this week. We'll have to cook up another good one for next week. Oh, yeah. Um, best quarterbacks moving to third down so we're going to take a break like we said in the open this week on Mount Rushmore um, but we'll already give you a preview Ryan and I decided this when we played today um, in our third round of golf it will be toughest holes in West Michigan and Mount Rushmore of toughest golf holes in West Michigan so a little preview for next week for third down so for this week because you know fourth down is always golf and we'll get to that in a minute we gotta go with this college conference mega news we thought about doing an e9 podcast for golfers you know what an e9 is emergency nine you got to play after you already played type of thing you're you're on a roll you got to settle some bets whatever we almost did an e9 pod over the holiday weekend just on this because it's such a huge topic but kind of part of me too (laughs) wanted to see the dust settle a little bit more um sometimes when you've got the the fire that was burning brightly and right in front of our face you start hearing lots of rumors left and right and and you think man something big is going to happen again um so we kind of wanted to to see how that settled down it did settle down honestly it's not too unlike last year uh, about this time yeah it was it was right around when we didn't know um that this was coming there was no inkling that this was coming last year with oklahoma and texas moving to the sec we thought holy cow um, and I went back and looked because I know we've had conversations about this mega conference stuff, and I've got a pile of questions. I'm going to ask Ryan. I'm going to get the conversation going in a minute. But back last year, um, June or July 27th, so it was a little, it was a little bit later in July. At the 50 minute mark in our podcast, we talked about um, adding six Pac-12 schools to the Big Ten to kind of counteract what the SEC was doing at that point in time. Right. You know, Oklahoma and Texas came over, and then we thought, oh, man, everything's going to tip. The Big Ten's going to go crazy. Everybody's going to go crazy, and then nothing else happened, right? The one thing that happened was originally, or down the road, was the, the Alliance. The Alliance. The which, agreement. Which now we're seeing what the Alliance was. But then, interestingly, if you want to go back to our history, because we have a history on predicting some of these things a little bit, we actually did a podcast last year in, in May, on May 19th. Um, at about the 8.30 mark, we talked about our ideal conference state for college football and i had come up with a plan for 12 10 team conferences and everybody playing everybody in their conference and then you know a couple of preseason or you know out of conference games and how it was all going to work uh clearly i didn't think about the tv aspect which is a huge part of this um the biggest part 
but so let's you know let's just say we've got a little bit of history if you want to look listen back and, and have a, a laugh or whatever but um first of all let's start with this rhyme this was about what this time no it's probably like wednesday thursday last week right when this all went I down think it was wednesday thursday thursday scale of one to ten how shocked were you to see that news that USC and UCLA? I was, I was driving in a car for a meeting um, on the other side of the state. Looked on my phone, at alert said USC and UCLA acquire you know Big Ten about joining conference. I'm like ah, oh, it's a joke, whatever. Then I get the thing, you know, three hours later, USC and UCLA to join Big Ten. I'm like, what? What is this? This is a, is this a joke? Did some intern do this wrong? Like what? <laughs> no, it's real. It's real. Teams that are on the other side of the country are going to join the Big Ten, which is predominantly Midwest. Yeah, Pretty but ridiculous. It, it expands the footprint, though, from New York to you, L.A. I saw this, with this Chicago is a in the fun middle. fact. The distance from USC to Rutgers, it's closer for USC to go to Honduras than it would be to go to Rutgers. That's <laughs> Why the hell would they ever go to Honduras? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But That's just to, to Central America than it is to go to a conference opponent. So 1 to 10 then, what's your shock? What was your shock? I was level? very shocked. I would, I would say I, mine was like a 9, maybe a 10, just because I didn't expect it. No. Like I first heard There's it no from, rumblings about from it. a buddy of mine said, hey, this is going to happen. Then Ryan actually told me, well, there might be some more. There's rumors that more teams want to get in, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, whoa. And here's the reason I was like, whoa. A year ago wouldn't have been a big whoa because we were talking about it. But it had been a year. There's been no leak. I mean, yeah. with, with social media between Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and, for God's sake, LinkedIn, which is supposed to be a networking thing and has become quasi like TikTok slash meets Twitter meets Facebook, which I can't yeah. stand. Um, but anyway, that's another topic for another type of podcast. Um you know, with all that stuff, not one Big Ten president or AD said anything. I mean, maybe they had threats from Kevin Warren. I, I don't know. But, I mean, an inquiry went out from the best I can tell 10 days before that announcement came out and said, all right, we're doing a final viability check. Now, I'm going to assume that they had had some conversations behind closed doors prior, so it wasn't like a shock. But an, a final inquiry went with a viability and and I don't know what the numbers were, but it was unanimous, obviously, or at least it was a majority rules that voted for it. Um, I can't imagine anybody in the Big Ten, especially the little guys, quote unquote, the Rutgers, the Purdue's, the Minnesotas, even the the not huge draws, the Indianas. You know, when we're talking about football, saying no to this because the TV dollars are gonna be insane. We know the Big Ten, the timing makes sense because the Big Ten, as we talked about, I think, the last couple weeks on the podcast, we, in fact, asked the question, where do we want the Big Ten to end up? We already know that Fox is going to get, like, they have a 51% stake in in what's going to happen. So where they've settled out the rest, is it all Fox? Is it a mix of some streaming? Is it Fox plus CBS? Is it Fox plus NBC? That remains to be seen. But the pot just got way bigger for the Big Ten and all the schools when you add the L.A. market. And yes, UCLA and USC are in a pro sports town in Los Angeles, but it's still Los Angeles, one of the top two or three biggest cities in the country. Um, All the West Coast audience is going to come with it. And let's think about it. Like, UCLA, you know, and and we're only talking about football here, but like, 
UCLA, Michigan, UCLA, Ohio State, UCLA, Michigan State. There's some history there. Um, you know, UCLA, Wisconsin. I mean, Penn State, that, that. But then you've got USC, who's got a huge steeped tradition. USC, Ohio State. I mean, that's, I think, the most commonly played Rose Bowl in history. USC is the most common opponent ever in the Rose Bowl history. So, yeah, USC, Ohio State, USC, Michigan, USC, Michigan State. I mean, there's some battles that have been between them. 1987 comes to mind when Michigan State beat them on Labor Day night in East Lansing and then beat them in the Rose Bowl to end that season. Um, I mean, there's some great, like, big game ability that comes with this. Now, we're going to get into some of the other logistics of it are a little bit funky, obviously. Especially, not so much maybe for football. For the, you know, not, not even, is. maybe a little bit for basketball, though we'll leave basketball for another time. But for the Olympic sports, yes. I'm, that, that's questionable, maybe. But, I mean, hey, the Big Ten can go west, and what the, these schools had to go remote for how long with this fake, I mean, with COVID um, that made all these schools button up and keep people online. So it's not like they can't do class online, that these kids can't do this. I mean, the, the, NCAA tournament was played in a bubble in 2021 for a month. These kids did it while they were still in school. So I, I wouldn't, I think that part can be done. It's a long way to travel for sure, but um, crazy. I mean, I was definitely 10 shocked. Yeah. Again, last year at this time, I would have been like, oh no, it's not a shock at all. Big Ten's making a reaction. But the fact that the Big Ten took their time. And again, probably presumably had a lot of closed door conversations before they brought everybody else in the fold and decided this. Kudos to, to them in this day and age for keeping yeah, wraps for that, on that. How did that get That's huge. But I don't think the SEC really leaked their stuff either. So SEC's it. I don't know. But all right. So the question next, Ryan. Where do things go next? So you're already hearing. Well, you know, Notre Dame, you know, do they come in? What are they going to do? And not even just for the Big Ten, but for conference, mega conference. What's the ACC going to do? Are they going to, you know, Caesar exists? Are the team going to jump ship? The newest thing is the Big 12 is trying to get six Pac-12 teams in it. And the Big 12 is currently 10 teams, right, with the new Correct. changes? Well, well, 12 until next year, then they're 10. Yeah. No, when Texas yeah. and Oklahoma go away, right? Well, no, BYU. Um, Do they give them twelve? BYU, Cincy, um, and this Houston, right? Houston and then SMU, maybe. I can't remember. I can't even one. keep up on. They're it. joining it, so it might be yeah. But it, yeah, they'll because minus two will be eight because ten right now that'd be eight plus four back to twelve. Back to twelve, so it'd be back to twelve, and then they're looking at getting six to get up to eighteen. That tells me the Big 12 is saying there's going to be four conferences. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know if it's going to happen yet this year, if it's going to happen next year, it's going to happen in five years, maybe it's going to be ten years. There are going to be two conferences. Yep. That's my prediction. It's going to be the SEC, SEC and it's going to be the Big 10, and it's going to be like the old AFL-NFL or in today's AFC-NFC. And think about how that's going to come together how the playoffs would come together and all that stuff. So Big 12 can jockey all they want right now. ACC can bite their fingernails. It's collateral what's damage. Go on. What, what's, it's, you, they're going to maybe even scoop up some of these smaller schools that might not have a play in the mega conference. But we'll get into that in a minute. So I do think, where do things go next? So Notre Dame, Ryan, you mentioned, they're a huge player in this. Huge. But Notre Dame's still sitting kind of in the catbird seat. They've 
all they've kind of always been unaffiliated. There's a good story that I was reminded of from my buddy Chris, our you know longtime regular listener, um, back in it was like late 1800s when Notre Dame applied to the Big Ten. They left something off their application. I can't remember what it was. I don't have it handy in front of me. Chris had sent it. Um, and the Big Ten said, well, you didn't finish your application, basically, so no at that time. So then they applied again. I want to say it was like the 19-teens or the 1920s. And Fielding, Yost, and Michigan pretty much put the complete kibosh on it. They didn't want it to happen, just like they didn't want Michigan State to, in the future, join the Big Ten, which is why Michigan State and Notre Dame have had an alliance. Because back in the 40s, Notre Dame said, screw you, Michigan. You already screwed us over. You're not going to screw over our buddies at Michigan State. Um, so Notre Dame, since then, Michigan, or the Big Ten went calling, I believe, after Nebraska was added in the late 90s, and Notre Dame said, no, pound sand, we're staying independent. Of course, they've affiliated themselves in the last five to seven years with the ACC for their Olympic sports, for basketball, for things like that. The, here's the thing. You know the SEC and the Big Ten are going to go after Notre Dame. It's going to have to take a shift of the if it really looking like my prediction is going to come to fruition, which is a huge Big Ten and a huge SEC for Notre Dame to get off the pot and go to one or the other. And I think most it makes the most realistic sense academically, uh, geographically, competitively with some of the other teams in there that they have a history with, like USC, um, for them to go to the Big Ten. So I don't think that happens next. I don't think that's the next shoe to drop. I think, Ryan, I agree with you. I could see some of these other moves, some of these other ancillary schools from the Pac-12 maybe going, uh, we're in panic mode. You know, there's like the Arizona, um, kind of the State. Colorado, Oregon State, kind of like the fringe schools. But the problem is, is the Big 12, when Oklahoma and Texas go, it's going to be kind of a fringe school conference because yeah, it's, it's kind of Texas of, Tech, it's you know, Iowa State, Baylor. it's like Baylor, it's... It's none of the big boys, and, and they're going to not get the big boys from the Pac-12 because this is what I'm telling you is going to happen. Not predictive, My prediction is, and I'm not going to say what order, the SEC goes calling to a few schools, namely Clemson, Miami, Florida State. I think that's the next big move that tips the Big Ten or the Big Ten doing this, which would be uh, Oregon, Washington, and maybe Utah because they all fit the academic profile as well. I think that I think that's probably your next big thing, and, and maybe make it four schools just so then it's even, and both teams have 20, 20 team conferences. So let's just say the SEC in whatever order it happens: Clemson, Florida State, Miami, and I don't know who else you think from the ACC goes to. North Carolina, uh, maybe like a Carolina or um, Georgia Tech. Yeah, Georgia Tech. I mean, because you got to kind of like Pitt, Syracuse. I think those teams don't go. So I think let's just say it's it's those three for sure. Those those three kingpins, and then maybe a North Carolina goes to the SEC. And then I think the Big Ten goes back if they can't. If Notre Dame doesn't get a little angsty at that time, which they might, because then they may see the handwriting on the wall. I think the Big Ten goes and grabs Oregon, Washington, and probably maybe even like Stanford and Cal potentially, or they grab Utah. Um, I'm trying to think of another thing that I saw there. Those are three of the teams that came to to mind. 
I think, honestly, if it goes to a 20 and 20, I think Notre Dame's going to start to sweat it a little bit. And it would be Washington, Stanford, maybe like a Utah and Notre Dame would come to the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, and then you'd have two 20-team conferences. The ACC would pretty much be on its deathbed. Um, the Big 12 would be full of really mid-meat, almost kind of like your non-Power 5 schools. And then the rest of it kind of shakes out, and there's not a home for everybody. Um, that's not a question I had on my list right now, but let's say this, Ryan. So if we get to this where there's two mega conferences, how many teams are in each of those conferences? 24. You think 24? Uh-huh. So you think 48 teams. teams so it's an NFL and a half, basically. Yeah. Um, and then maybe you have six teams from each side make the playoffs, and then you have your yeah. Super Bowl. Here's where I think the bowl games could stay in play. You take your big traditional bowl games where they still keep a home, you know, like the New Year's Six now. Take that, and, and those become, for those those 12 playoff games, or those six playoff games, I guess you would, for six playoff teams, if that's what it is, um, those become your, your bowls stay in play for that. And I, I kind of have to agree with you. I think there's going to be teams like Iowa State, Texas Tech, Colorado, Oklahoma State, teams like that that are going to be left on the outside, and they're going to fall into that kind of, I don't know what you would call this, call this uh, the new Division One, and then they're the new Division One AA, and then you have the FCS as the current FCS. Right. And so the beauty of that could be, that these schools that really legit never would have a chance to win a national championship can vie for their own national championship. Yeah. The Memphises, the Cincinnati's, whoever gets left out, maybe it's Georgia Tech, Iowa State. I mean, you got Syracuse in there, you got Pitt, you got West Virginia, you've got Boston College. I mean, there's there's going to be some schools that people are going to go, huh, that are going to get left out of this. Because I tend to agree. I think much bigger than... 48 might be a little too unwieldy. Maybe you could get the maybe you could get the 56 like 28 each, but I don't know. 24 seems great. Six teams get in the playoffs, so a quarter of the you know, a quarter of your conference makes the playoffs. It fits kind of the NFL bill. I think you'd have some parity. I mean, so all that in play with a bajillion different options. Are you okay with this movement? I I hate it. I, I just to me, I love the you know I, I get you know the the money part I get that I just I, I just hate it because I know it's in five years it's not going to be what it is whatever was you know th- this playoff system which I like you know expand it to eight twelve whatever I think that'd be really good and now you're gonna have these super conferences I think it's gonna end up ruining football I think that you know throwing the NIL garbage in there it's just it's it's the wild wild west and it's only going to get worse there's no regulation the NCAA is going to cease to exist um there's probably going to become a commissioner of college football um I think the NCAA will cease to exist for college football well for for this super conference but not the NCAA will need to exist still for division two division three right because here's the thing. I think basketball is unchanged I mean the conferences are going to get big and that's going to get crazy but beyond that you, you don't need to change basketball. I mean, you're changing your league schedules maybe and some of that stuff kind of tweaks, whatever. But I think the beauty of college basketball is it can withstand this because it already has teams that are don't even have college football or they have FCS. 
that are competing for college basketball, like a Villanova, for example. So I don't think it impacts that, so we can throw that to the side. But So you don't like it. And here's the thing. The funny thing is, is I'm a traditionalist. I've always remembered, like, you could only – the Big Ten got the one bowl game, and it was the Rose Bowl, and you couldn't go two years in a row. And it was a great thing. And when Michigan State got to the Rose Bowl back in 2015, 20, they 13, played 14, um, unbelievable because it had been since 1987, and that's how hard it was to get there. So that part of me says, yeah, that sucks. But here's the thing. TV and streaming and everything else is not going to go away for Cincinnati and Memphis and Iowa State and Syracuse and whatever. Their alumni are still going to want to watch them play. And here's the thing. They might not be playing, you know, If let's just pick Iowa State. They might not be playing Oklahoma or Texas or, you know, Iowa or whatever every um, every year anymore. You know, they're probably going right. to be like an out-of-conference team for those types of things. But their team's still going to get a chance to compete, and they're still going to play some big, what you know is traditionally Division One college football schools, and you're still going to get on TV. Because ESPN and Fox or ESPN Fox CBS they can't own all the inventory. They don't. There's not. A, there's too many teams to go around. So I think you know. Yes, does it impact things like the ACC network, Big Twelve? Maybe not because if all of a sudden the ACC readjusts, the Big Twelve reinvents itself, the Big East kind of comes back into play for football. The AAC. You know, the Mountain West, these become kind of like your tier two, if you will. So you got your superpowers at 48 or 56 or whatever it is. And we can come back on another pod and say who we think would be the rest of the teams in, because that would be a great debate. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got your, your tier two, which are still big time college football teams that are going to garner eyeballs on TV. And let's think about the bowl inventory. Like, there's 38, there's 42, many however many bowl games there are now, and, and barely anybody there, but ESPN keeps adding bowl games. People want to watch. People want to watch their school. Or just um, anything. And and so I think you just get this Tier 2 that becomes, you know, the current group of five. It gets bigger, but I think they vie for their own national championship. And maybe the bowls, the kind of the B, Tier B bowls, are in play for them. Maybe they just do a 16-team playoff like FCS does. I think that keeps conferences like the MAC alive, and it gives them a chance. Like, what if a Central Michigan that had Dan LaFevre and Brian Anderson and Antonio Brown and was a really good team, I think went like 10-1 and or 10-2 and or something like that. What if all of a sudden they can win a Tier 2 national championship? I think Chippewa fans would love that. Um I think it would even the playing field in some ways. I, I think NIL is not going to go away. And there are certain teams and schools that can live within NIL and they can compete within NIL. Um, and those are currently the Big Ten teams. I mean, currently the SEC teams. And, and hey, here's the thing too. Maybe Vanderbilt, maybe Northwestern, maybe Rutgers, maybe some of these other schools say, I don't have a chance in this power conference. I'm out. I don't want to be everybody's whipping boy. I'm going to go to tier two. This could be really interesting. We're going to put this down as a pod topic because I think the homework for next week's pod, Ryan, is going to be come up with your new Big Ten and your new SEC, and we're going to debate that. Um, And then we can just kind of quickly tier everybody else off into tier two. And I think then you leave FCS how it is. 
I think tier two all of a sudden becomes what? What are there like 128 division one teams I think right 132 now? 132 now. So if there's a hundred, that's right because there's some new teams that have yeah. come in lately. If there's 132, and let's just say for the sake of discussion, 48 go to the Big Ten and the SEC. That leaves what? A little shy of 90 schools, um, 84 schools. So if you've got 84 schools that all of a sudden don't have to vie with those 48 big boys to play for a national championship, I could see it happening. And yeah. honestly, last year at this time, I was like, no, no, I don't like where this is going. But I'm kind of, I I think we're going to get what we want as fans, which is to see marquee matchups all the time. Because nobody wants to tune in to the first week in November games in the SEC when they're playing St. Mary's sister for the poor, dumb, and blind. I mean, and winning 82 to nothing. That does nothing for anybody. All of a sudden, every game is huge. You can do crossovers. And if you still want to do, quote, non-conference games and be able to dip into Tier 2, you can keep some of those traditional rivalries alive. Iowa can still play Iowa State if they're in Tier 2. So what? I don't. They're still at the same level. They're just not competing for the same national championship. That's my take on, on that. Um, and we're, we're definitely going along on this, but I knew that we would. So you're not okay with it. I'm okay with it. We talked about this a little bit about what happens with the Bulls. Do you think that kind of my my um, option has viability where maybe the Bulls are just kind of absorbed into these leagues? Yeah, I think that's what would probably happen. Not, and not that it matters Let's for the Zasparillo Bowl. I don't think it matters. But for the Rose Bowl, for the Cotton Bowl, for the Peach Bowl, for the Sugar Bowl, for the Orange Bowl. Look, that's a way to keep the traditionalists happy is that you keep those Bulls in the rotation and they become your de facto playoff games. You can maybe rotate how the matchups go, whatever the case may be, whatever you want. I think that would be pretty sweet, to be honest with you. Um, what is the biggest issue you have with this news coming out of the Big Ten? Uh, Minus the fact that you're a traditionalist and you... Big, um, I just think the logist, it's going to cost a lot. It's going to be logistical sense. There's no logistical sense to it because it's so far away. I think that's the right. biggest hurdle. But All of a sudden, the Big Ten st- spreads from coast to coast, which is crazy. Because even down to Maryland, which crazy. is you know Washington, D.C., so it's straight across the coast. The SEC is still pretty. Even had in Oklahoma, Texas, they already had Texas A&M. Oklahoma's one state north of Texas, so that's not that big of a footprint change. The Big Ten is a huge footprint change. I, I I would say that some of that, probably from an Olympic sports standpoint, um, as long as it doesn't impact basketball, and I think actually UCLA, look, in the in Big Ten for basketball, that's going to make some sweet games. Um, I think that's kind of cool, actually, with the history that's there. What's the biggest positive that you see out of it? Just, I think it it just shows that, you know, that these team, these conferences are committed to, you know, growing and keeping, you know, things going, which is good. Um you know, just money, money's, uh, money talks, money, money talks, money talks. Sure does. Sure does. so the one thing that I saw that I don't like is if they start calling this ESPN and Fox, no, oh, keep the names, Lord. SEC and Big Ten, and if they have their affiliations, if the SEC's all ESPN and the, you know, Big Ten's all Fox, whatever, so be it, that's fine, but it's, I, I really do believe it's going to be two conferences, it's going to be like the NFC and the AFC, um, we talked a little bit about this. We'll talk about it more next week. How big does this power league get? You think 48, I think maybe 56, but I think we need to put it on paper and think how that shakes out. 
And we already talked about this a little bit too. Might it help the group of five? I think yes, so because you, we saw last year. Look, like Cincinnati has had some fantastic years the last couple of years, and they were not on the same level as Alabama. They just weren't. Um, right. But they could win the tier two national championship for sure, uh, in my mind. And and does that diminish it? No, I don't think so. Because let's face it, before the BCS, when it was the polls. It was an eyeball test. It was way back when it was the UPI, the AP polls. Then it was the AP in the USA Today, a.k.a. then Amway coaches poll, and now just the coaches poll. Um, And it was like writers and coaches and whatever, and it was like there were great unsettled debates, and you lived with co-national champions. Uh, 1997, the one Michigan wants to remind you that they won more recently, was shared with Nebraska, um, they never played on the field, so this is that's why to me it's a way to help. You know, those are two examples of teams that would be in the in the new world of the Power Conference. But still, I think all of a sudden you get a chance for some of these schools that might not really le- legitimately get a chance. And you know what, a banner is a banner, and if it says national champion, it says national champion. Like if Hope women won the national championship in basketball this year, it doesn't matter that they're Division three; they won a national championship. They're going to tell people, they're going to tell their kids and their friends and whatever. I want. I was on a national championship team. It doesn't matter if you were tier one, tier two, division two, II, division three, NAIA. It doesn't matter. You're the last man standing. Um, plenty more to talk about this. Uh, you know, bravo to the Big Ten. I think well played the way this all went down. Pretty phenomenal, if you ask me how it all happened. But we'll talk more about it next week. Um, all right. Golf. Let's go to golf. We are going to set our record for our longest pod, but again, I expected that. So, Brian, how we do contest-wise, we had some flames being thrown back and forth between the leagues, the Live and, oh, the, and the PGA. I did awful. Neither of my guys made the cut. Your guys, I think Berger withdrew. Sigala was T-17. Okay, so I'll let I win now. I, didn't, I admittedly didn't see any of it. It was 4th of yeah, July weekend. Really much, much. We played a lot of golf this weekend. Today was the third time in four days that we played. Um, Scottish Open this weekend. Though. Scottish Open this weekend. So who do we who do we want to pick for the Scottish Open this week? I'm Which, by the way, is only like twenty minutes from seeing me. Yeah, I'm, it's it's DP Tour and PJ first Tour time picks. ever, right? Yeah, yeah, cool stuff. Um, I'm picking Neiman and Fleetwood. Neiman and Fleetwood. I've got Hovland and Homa. I'm gonna go with H-H. the H H H H and H baby. Okay. Okay. All right, and question of the week, and I'm going to set this question of the week up with this. So you all know, because I talked about on the podcast last week, I had a career round minus two quadruple bogeys, shot an 80, net 78 for, you know, handicap purposes at Forest Dunes. Followed up in the 87 at the Loop course, um, which is severely undersloped and underrated. So it didn't count on my handicap, but that's neither here nor there. Fast forward to Saturday. Ryan and I play Thornapple Point. If you're from West Michigan, you know. It's planes, trains, and automobiles plus boats. There's literally a highway that wraps around it. There's a train track that runs through the middle of it. It's in the glide path for the airport, which is the coolest part. And it's on a river, so there's boats, and there's sometimes loud boats. So it's very optically pleasing. It's also a very difficult course. I went from shooting an 80 to shooting a front 955 and scraping out a 101 net 99 that round. So we're talking a week, eight days later, a 21-stroke difference on on a course not even sloped and rated quite as hard as Forest Dunes. 
And then Sunday, Ryan and I went and played Makatao because we have five rounds there. Great course. It's private, so it's, you can't just get on there anymore. But, um, And I think I came back and I shot an 82. So 80, 87, 101, 82. And then today I shot an 89. Like So that just shows you like the roller coaster stuff. So the question, Ryan, would you rather break 80 in 10% of your rounds a year but ride a crazy roller coaster like I just talked about that I did or be guaranteed to shoot between 80 and 89 every single round in the summer. Probably so think about this. I'd say it wouldn't be 80. So think about this. Put that in context. We play what? Probably 30. You, you play more than I do. Let's just say you play 40 times in a year. That means you'd shoot sub 80 four times in a year, but you could shoot 105. No, I'd rather shoot consistent. Consistent? Yeah. I'm kind of the same. Like I've broken 80 just... The minus the net part, like an actual straight up, full on count all your strokes. I've broken in three times. I've shot a seventy nine. That would be great. It's the holy grail. But I am so like today. I was happy because I wasn't playing particularly well to shoot an eighty nine and break ninety. Like I would rather. I'm with you. I'd rather be in that eighty to eighty nine range as well. So quick thing, just wanted to call out. Got to say, love Billy Horschel and JT. Um, saying it like it is about the live tour, Ryan, you showed me a great, um, Billy Horschel clip today talking about like, what do you guys, you know, quit lying quit hiding behind things. JT calling them out. Like, just be real, be honest. You're doing it for the money. Fine. I'll respect you more. Like, I don't know what these guys think they're hiding. I don't, this, this whole grow the game, make the game better. How, how by paying last place in a non-cut event, $120,000, Plus appearance fees. And what did you say the guy shot a pair of 80s this week? Who was it? Pat Bresnan got a million dollars. He got a million dollars because, because, it, because he was on the winning team. Like, are you kidding me? Like, and let, never mind the fact that you're talking about, and bravo to the people who protested for a good thing in Portland for a change. The 9-11 victims' families who protested because these guys are taking money from the same group that funded the terrorists and the 9-11 attacks. I just, the more that goes on, the more that guys go, I hope we never see them playing golf in a major. I hope the majors say, you know what, fine, you, you're you done. Dustin, Phil, you guys, yeah, you've won majors, I don't care, you're done. We don't want you anymore. Because that's the only way that it's going to right-size it, and then maybe the PGA will kind of let them back into the fold. Um, hate the Live Tour, hate everything it stands for. The more these guys talk and, and kind of, just aren't straight up about it like JT and Billy Horschel said, the more I can't stand it and the more I said good riddance. And by the way, like we talked about with Tom last weekend, how many guys have left that we really care of left? Yeah, no one cares. Like Patrick like, Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Pat Kepka, Perez, no one Pat cares. Pat Perez, man. like nobody cares Ian about Poulter, you jokers. Sergio. Go play your shitty golf and make a lot of money off of people who, you know, call it sport washing, call it bloodbath, whatever you want to call it. Get out of here. I don't want to hear about it anymore. All right. Anything else, golf, you got nope. in your mind, Ryan? You know, nothing. All right. Let's see here. Moving into then our sprint for the day. We talked about this a little bit, but Ryan, you're Kevin Warren for a day. What's your next move for the Big Ten? You got to get Notre Dame in there. I think so, too. I think that's got to be a priority, and I guarantee you the Big Ten's pushing hard to say, look, this is going to happen in the – Align with us. You've got Purdue. You've got IU. You've got Michigan. You've got Michigan State. You've got all these natural. You got USC now. You got all these natural rivalries. 
you're close to Chicago, great, huge market. You're going to still get your national coverage. You're going to get your big games. If you still want to play Navy and whatever, we'll make that happen. That's okay. I agree 100%. Washington and Oregon would be nice. I would rather see the Big Ten get Notre Dame next. All right, we talked about this a little bit in your open, Ryan, in sprint spot number two. Where does KD wind up? Phoenix. That's what I think, too. I've, I think the Warriors are a long shot. There's a lot of guys that they have to give up to yeah, get them. Are they really so. willing to do that? You know, their their nucleus is getting a little bit older, obviously, with Steph and, you know, like Clay have been being heard and Draymond and, and such, but they still have enough of those guys that are young and that are doing well. I don't think they need to bring a KD back in. I really don't. So I think the Suns would be a good fit. Um, give give uh, what's his, uh, Chris Paul his, his last uh, shot at a title. All right, number three. We didn't. We kind of mentioned this. Michigan State loses Colton Pouncey from the Athletic. Uh, our Ryan and my favorite sports website. Um, he's moving to the Lions beat. Probably no time to research this, Ryan. But why, who should the the next MSU beat writer be for the Athletic? I wish they would go get Rex Road back. To be honest, yeah. love Joe Rex Road. I have no idea. We'll say Rex. Yeah, I don't know enough of the guys that are out there. Chris Vanini comes to mind. He went to Michigan State. He, he does a lot of college football stuff. I hope it's not like a shared coverage because I really liked Colton. I especially liked him being both basketball and football. You know, and he wasn't a Michigan State guy, so he grew into it. And I felt like he he was a good mix of like he gave us a little bit of other green goggles stuff that you want to have as a fan, just like Michigan fans want a little bit of that blue goggle look. But he also gave us reality because he was not a born and bred Michigan State guy. So it'll be really interesting to see what direction they go. Um, we were blessed with Rex Road for a long time before that. Who might it be? I have no idea, but hopefully it's a good one. And good luck to you, Pouncey, your good writer. Um, and then spot number four, a little thinker for you. In honor of 33 years to the day since the first Seinfeld aired, which character do you most identify with that's on the show? It doesn't have to be a main character. Uh, Jeez, that's tough. Um, I'll say Jerry. I don't know. You always say George. You always say George. But I'm going to throw one at you. I'm going to say Putty. <laughs> I'm Putty. I'm the face painter guy. I'm kind of like the no-nonsense, whatever. I could have said Frank Costanza, um, another one of my all-time favorites. You're Newman. No, I'm not Newman. You're probably closer to George than Jerry, but regardless. All right, close us up with some social media stuff. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, you name it. Um, Pound that like button on uh, Apple Pod. Um, Tell your friends. Give us some stuff you want to hear football-wise. Any questions, golf, you name it, we'll we'll break it down. Um, But, yeah, we're getting... I'll say this, if you want to weigh in on the homework for next week, if you want to give us your, if you agree with us, I guess, if you want to give us your future state, Big Big Ten SEC two-team mega conference or mega league, um, your breakdown of, do you think it's 48 teams? Do you think it's 56 teams? You know, 24 a league, 28 a piece. Who those are, or do you think it's maybe four conferences that last and it's four you know, 20 team conferences. I don't think that's the case or four sixteen team, whatever you think. If you want to weigh in on that and you want to join the podcast last week, hit me up on text, hit Ryan up on text or Twitter. 
um, or if you just want us to read your your picks through, um, we're definitely going to um, put it down to that. Maybe even overtime if we have to, because we've certainly gone overtime this week. So make sure that you do that. Um, also want to give a shout out to our faithful presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realtors. Um, Jim, Donna, Tim, Sean, Liz, the whole crew, great people, great family, great realtors in West Michigan. The market is still hot, so get while the getting's good. If you need more information, visit them at teamanders.com. Meantime, as my guy Putty once smartly asked, how come people don't have dip for dinner? <laughs>